You're listening to the Black Sheep Talks podcast. My name is Karina Greco, and I am your host. I am an online coach, writer, storyteller, speaker, and podcast host. My mission is to help others manifest a life of travel, adventure, and financial freedom. I created this podcast as a platform that allows for raw and authentic conversations to be the norm. I will be diving into all sorts of topics, including manifestation, mindset, self-love, healing, personal growth, spirituality, relationships, travel, the super yacht industry, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I am passionate about sharing the life lessons that I've learned and how certain experiences have helped me grow and evolve in this lifetime. My aim is to inspire you to dive deep into your own personal growth and manifest a life you love too. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast, The Black Sheep Talks. Today we are kicking off the plant medicine season, diving into the next episode, which is going to be all about why I decided to take peyote, a cactus native to the deserts of Mexico. So if you guys didn't listen to my episodes the last weeks, I talked about my mushrooms experience, a mushroom ceremony that I did. Before that, I talked to you guys about why I moved to Tulum. So this will give you a little bit of a background for this season. But if you want to jump in today and find out what peyote is, then I'm going to give you a little brief history lesson before we dive into why I actually decide to do this plant medicine. So peyote is a species of spineless cactus that contains the psychedelic chemical called mescaline. It has a distinctively small green and globular appearance growing close to the ground without any spines. The crowns and buttons are traditionally cut from the root of the peyote plant and dried for ceremony use. Peyote is native to Mexico and the southwestern U.S., specifically Texas, and peyote has long been a focus of Native American and pre-Columbian ceremonial traditions. Today, it's also used in other contexts elsewhere, including meditation and psychotherapy. It also holds the reputation of being the first psychedelic to come to mainstream Western attention, funny enough. So a lot of you guys probably know more about mushrooms than you know about peyote. So it's really interesting to kind of hear that peyote was actually the first psychedelic to be brought to Western attention. I actually didn't know that. And due to over-harvesting and peyote's slow-growing nature, the cactus is now actually an endangered species. In ceremonial use, peyote is typically either chewed to release the active alkaloids or brewed as a tea. And the peyote trip is characterized by visual effects such as enhanced colors and breathing environments, philosophical and introspective insights, and feelings of euphoria. Peyote ceremonies can last upwards of 10 hours overnight and typically involve a lot of drumming, chanting, and prolonged periods of sleeplessness. So let me tell you guys why I decided to do peyote. So peyote was something I heard about about a year ago before I came to Mexico, and I knew that it was something I really wanted to try, especially because it was a plant native to the actual lands. And I thought it would be really special to try something like this in Mexico with shamans for healing purposes. So as you guys all know, the reason I've been doing plant medicines is to go on this healing journey that I've been on. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I want to educate anyone that is interested in doing this one day or to help you open up your mind to see that this is a tool that you can use if it's something that calls to you to do 
something like this in your life in order to, you know, heal or to grow or to just have a new experience. And I'm not advocating for anybody to do this. I'm not saying that this is something you should do. As I always say before every single episode, you know, this is my experience and my experience alone. So I am biased to it. Um, I'm telling you guys how it was for me, why I did it. And I'm not preaching to anyone that they should do this. But if it is something that interests you, then stick around, stay tuned, keep on listening because you're going to get a lot out of this. I'm going to talk to you guys about more of my why, how I prepared, um, what happened. And then in the next episode, I'm actually going to split it and talk talk to you guys about my integration and my learnings. So I'm going to split it in two parts because I don't want to be talking to you guys for an hour. Um, I try to do these episodes typically like 30 minutes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the ceremony prep. So in order to prepare for peyote, you have to stop meeting eat, stop eating meat and drinking alcohol at least two days before. So for me, this wasn't a problem because I'm a pescatarian and I've actually been sober for a year. Um, although I did cheat and eat meat last week when I was in Mexico City, whoops, but I'm mostly a pescatarian. Um, and then on the day, you can't eat after 6 p.m. So this ceremony took place on, at 8 p.m. on a Saturday. And I kind of stopped eating my last meal at about four. They also say you need to avoid sex of any kind at least one day before. And this is because you want to be able to come in there with the energy to fully give and receive yourself to the spirit. And as well, you need to take time to prepare intentions. So what are intentions? So the purpose of doing a peyote ceremony. It's not just for recreation. Like I said, it's not like a mushrooms trip where you're like, oh, let's go like chew a bunch of mushrooms and have a good time and a laugh with our friends. It's not like that. Okay. And I'm sure, yes, there are probably people who've picked peyote and done it outside of ceremony, which I don't think is the best way to do it. In my opinion, I think that peyote is a sacred plant and it should be respected. And therefore it should be done in a setting with a shaman where someone is guiding you and leading you or not necessarily even a shaman, someone that knows how to administer it, how to take it. But still, I'm the advocate for doing it in ceremony because I really respect the plant medicine and I think that it is so powerful and it has so much to teach us that most of the human consciousness, you know, society, the world isn't even aware of. But yet this plant is so available to these different indigenous tribes and they have been using these plant medicines for thousands of years. So It's very, very special. So that's why we need to respect it and do this type of ceremony prep for spiritual reasons, right? Spiritual, religious, whatever it is, in order to pay our respects to the plant medicine. And with the intentions, you want to set intentions as to why you want to do this in the first place. So for me, my intention was to let go of any like limiting beliefs, fears that I had, very similar to my mushroom ceremony, and to kind of get messages from the universe, to know that I am on the right path, to, you know, connect with the grandfather medicine. And it's called the grandfather father med- medicine. And I'll tell you guys why in a, re- in a second. So yeah, my intentions were that, to connect with this plant and to see what messages it had for me. 
The other things that um, you had to prepare was to bring items for your own personal altar. So this included like flowers or, you know, chocolate, fruit, or anything you wanted to bring that could be blessed. So for myself, I brought all my stones and crystals because I knew that the shamans there would be blessing you, would be, you know, Copal using Copal to clear any negative energy. So I brought all of those things. Um, as well, we had to bring a white candle so that it would burn and this would serve as an offering as well to the spirit. And then this white candle would be taken home with us after. And as well, we had to bring a yoga mat, a blanket, and a pillow. That way we can be comfortable because this would be an overnight ceremony, which was kind of like going camping in a way. It felt really like that, which I loved. Um, so we laid our yoga mats down on the ground around the fire and obviously a blanket and a pillow for comfort and for warmth. And then, of course, water and comfortable clothes. So this ceremony that I decided to do, um, I ended up finding out about it in a WhatsApp group, like I said, three days before. Um, and a couple that lives in Tulum was running it, was putting it together. And I found it really interesting. I obviously messaged them, found out a little bit about their background, their experience, and they've both been doing plant medicines for years. Um, one of them have actually been leading ayahuasca ceremonies, and the other one of them was leading these types of cactus medicine ceremonies for years. So I felt very comfortable and I was very interested in this. So I definitely said, sign me up. I'm going to do it. I'm ready. And the ceremony was really unique because they actually brought down three generations of shamans from the deserts of Nayarit. And it was really, really fascinating to see all of these shamans in front of our eyes, you know, three generations of them, there were children, like two sons, as young as probably like 13 or 14, and they were there with their musical instruments. Then there was the father and the grandfather. So it was really awesome to see like this indigenous tribe and lineage of people coming together to help guide us, to help educate us and share with us the gifts of this medicine. So with this medicine, the spirit is called Kayumari, and it's named the blue deer and appears it appears and serves as a guide in a spiritual sense. So this spirit actually sacrifices himself to transform into the Hikuri, the peyote cactus with which the Wixakaras get in contact with their ancestors to receive guidance. And in the ceremony, there was a specific guide called Murakami Don Andres, who was a healer of the Wixarica people from Mexico. I hope I'm saying that right. But a lot of these words are very um, indigenous. And yes, this is what kind of the background of what was happening in the ceremony. We had these leaders, we had these shamans come in, and it felt very, very sacred and special. So when we arrived, it was in a house that um, was really open and beautiful, surrounded by the jungles in Tulum. And we all kind of came and sat. Um, you know, I came with my housemate and I made a new friend. And there was probably like 15 to 20 other people that were also ready, getting ready to participate in the ceremony. So as we prepared for the ceremony, we all were asked to go bring all of our belongings with us, like our yoga mats and stuff, to go sit by the fire and to make space around the fire in a circle. And as we prepared, we sat around the fire, which is referred to as Tatawari, the grandfather fire. And I mentioned this because the grandfather is actually the spirit that appears in this fire. So the reason that peyote is done around the fire is because a lot of the messages that get 
communicated to us when we are taking peyote come through the fire. And this is called the grandfather fire, the tatewari. And this is why peyote is referred to as the grandfather medicine. And ayahuasca, for example, is referred to as the grandmother medicine because she is the female spirit, right? The grandmother. And we will get into ayahuasca when I actually talk to you guys about that ceremony, which is not going to be until more of the end of the season. Okay. So with taking peyote um, and looking into the fire, it often helps us awaken self-knowledge within us and find clear answers to face a reality. So this is another reason why people take this plant medicine and why the natives have been taking this for thousands of years, right? To connect with themselves, to gain more clarity, gain more knowledge. And the main purpose of ceremony is to heal the body, mind, and spirit and give thanks to Mother Earth and Father Son for giving us strength to walk the path of this life. So why would we even want to connect with our ancestor in, ancestors in the first place? Well, to recover the memory of who we are and to act accordingly with this. So Native people have been doing this for thousands of years, like I said, and it's unfortunate and the reality is that most of the humanity, most of people on this planet have really become so disconnected with who they are, right? We have so much of this technology going on, so many of these new wave, new things happening in our world that often we forget to sit down, we forget to take a moment for ourselves to really deeply connect with ourselves, right? And I'm even sometimes guilty of this. Like I run an online business. I'm currently speaking on this podcast. And sometimes I find myself like behind my computer or, you know, on social media and it takes up a lot of our energy. And we often forget that human life is so sacred, it's so beautiful, and that we must really take a moment to connect with ourselves every single day for as long as we possibly can, right? Because these native indigenous tribes, they have been doing it for thousands of years, and they still do it today, right? So the shamans that came and led the ceremony, they were not they were practicing what they were preaching like every single day this is their practice this is what they do they actually start very young taking this medicine and you know people might think like wow like young that's crazy you know how could you give psychedelics to like a young kid well the thing is they don't see it as a drug they see it as a plant that is natural that helps us connect with the divine or source right source being the universe and this is a sacred plant. Therefore, it should be introduced into um, you know, our life as early as possible for humans to really understand their connections to themselves and to source. So it was really, really interesting to kind of get a background on this and to see that, wow, like this is such a norm in their tribes, right? And in our society, it's seen as such a stigma or something that, oh my God, drugs are bad. We shouldn't do this, right? Or psychedelics are going to make you crazy. Meanwhile, in reality, the people that are more crazy are the ones that aren't taking the psychedelics and doing these plant medicines to really, you know, dive deeper and to connect with themselves and to connect with source in the universe and Mother Earth, right? So again, I'm not saying that you have to do this, but I am saying this as you know, this is a tool that helps to open up your mind, that helps to connect you with source, with earth, and to really see the world 
through a different lens, right? So I will tell you guys a little bit about that when we get into it shortly. So within the ceremony as well, a lot of negativities are healed, anything like hatred, resentment, jealousy, all of this is purified. So if your intentions are like, I want to come and like heal any like negativity I hold, or, you know, this, the fact that I act a certain way or whatever it is, then that can be healed as well. Um, and often this has happened with Kopal. So Kopal is, you know, burnt and it is kind of like sage where, you know, it cleanses anything around you, cleanses the environment, cleanses any negative energies that are on you. So at the beginning of the ceremony, when we picked our spots and sat down, um, they actually came around with Kopal um, and they cleansed us and it felt really amazing to just open up the sacred space and to feel safe, to feel that all of our energies were really positive and that we were creating this environment of, yeah, feeling like we were all together. And I loved it because before we started the ceremony, um, we were given clear instructions by Safira and Kenji, who ran the ceremony. And it was awesome to really, again, get a background about this, a bit of a history lesson, and to be told exactly how the ceremony was going to work. So we were told that we would be sitting in the ceremony until sunrise, which meant that we couldn't leave the ceremony out of respect. And every single hour, pretty much, or every time the sun shifted, the ceremony, or sorry, the shamans would actually start singing a song and connect with, you know, our ancestors, our spirit guides. And it was such a beautiful experience. So I was really excited for this part. I was like, yes, I love like listening to music, to singing. So it was going to be a very sacred space that was going to happen over the course of a 10-hour night. And we had to also, you know, set up our altar and light our candle at the start. And this candle at the end would be taken and burned for five days at night with us at home when we were sleeping to kind of take away any other negative energies and to continue to do the work post-ceremony. So it's not enough just to come to the ceremony and sit in the ceremony and be like, okay, I'm going to get like all these answers. I'm going to heal. Everything's going to be amazing. The work actually happens after. And this is what we're going to talk about in the second episode. And it's the same as ayahuasca. It's not just enough to go sit in it and to be like transformed and enlightened. You actually have to do the work after. So you have to take the messages and integrate. Okay, so the last thing we were told is every single time the shamans would finish playing a song or anyone else that would finish playing a song because we were also allowed to share and sing, we would have to say pamparios, which meant thank you. And we would also have to walk around the fire in a clockwise position, meaning we couldn't break it by going and walking around the other way. And this was just like out of respect to keep the energy and the synchronicity and the flow of the circle that we created with all of 20 or so people that were in the ceremony. So yeah, that's a little bit about the prep that happened. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about the start of the ceremony and when we actually got ready to drink the actual peyote. So as I said, we were gathered around the circle 
And to prepare, we were told that we had to kind of do like a ritual in order to prepare to receive the medicine. So we already set our intentions and we had gone around the circle to share our intentions with everyone, to introduce ourselves much like with the mushroom ceremony, which I really loved because I loved hearing every individual person's reason for being here, like where they were from, what their story was, and why they were coming into this healing space. And it was so beautiful because it just showed you that there's so many humans out there who just want to be more connected with themselves, with others, with the world. And it was a really, really powerful space that was created. And yeah, we went around, I shared my intention, and then we were also given this stick with a red ribbon or like a string where we actually had to tie it onto the stick. But before we did that, we had to look at the ribbon and think about every single sexual experience or encounter that we had with another person. And we had to tie a knot in that ribbon in order to end that relationship or to put an end on that relationship. And I found this really, really interesting because it was kind of the reason of why we had to abstain from having sex for a day before at least was because we wanted to clear any negative energies because a lot of the times when we have sex with someone else, we take on their energies. So a lot of people don't actually know this and I'm guilty. I never used to know this, right? I'm guilty of dating like a lot of different guys um, of, you know, having casual sex in the past and a lot of this has kind of, you know, stuck within my energy and I've taken on the energy of other people and realized that like this hasn't been cleared. So a lot of the times it could serve as a negative energy, right? Especially if you were like to maybe have like a meaningless one night stand or like you, I don't know, maybe had a sexual encounter with someone that didn't treat you so well, or maybe you were raped, right? So like, these kind of things can happen. And a lot of these encounters often leading, leave us feeling, um, you know, either really drained or feeling kind of negative and feeling unworthy or whatever it is that we feel. So the reason behind this was to kind of like cut any old relations that are kind of holding us back to tie that knot and to end it. So it was really funny because I was just like, oh my God, like, I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm going to be honest. I've had a lot of different boyfriends in the past. Um, I've dated around and I've kind of, you know, been around as a traveler, obviously like practicing safe sex and all of that. But yeah, like that is my honest truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And it was really funny because, you know, you're trying not to look at any other people in the circle. But I noticed that there was like another girl in the circle who was just like me. Me and her were both there just like tying knot after knot after knot after knot. And we were just like, oh, my God, like I need to write this down because I'm actually going to forget because you had to think of the person's name and kind of imagine them and then tie that knot. And as well, they said, don't tie a knot if this is like your current partner or somebody you're like having a relationship with that you don't want to end it because this is only meant for like people that you've had a relationship with, the, with in the past and you want to kind of, you know, put an end to it, put a close and happily disconnect. So what I ended up doing was actually getting my phone out and trying to like write down every single name and keep track. And I actually used to do this when I was younger, like in my early twenties, me and my friends used to do this and like write down 
who we actually like slept with or like hooked up with. Um, and, you know, and I stopped doing that because I thought it was kind of like vain. And I don't know, I was just like, I don't want to do this. So I had to kind of go back and think about every single person I had an encounter with, write it down. And anyway, I felt like I was there for a while and the girl next to me was also doing the same thing. And I remember just hearing them saying, okay, like a few more minutes, like, are you guys done yet? And we were just like, no, we're not done. And it was funny because this was like our first ceremony and a lot of the other people have done it before. So if you've done a ceremony before and you've already like tied the knots for all your previous partners, maybe you're coming to the ceremony and just tying like one or tying none at all, right? But I had been doing it for like my entire life, my entire existence. And it was something I really had to think about, which actually was kind of healing in a way because it let me just come to terms with it, to accept it, to not feel any shame or guilt because society loves to do that, especially to women. Like, oh, you're such a slut for like sleeping around with a bunch of people. It's like, fuck off. Like, you know, who are you to tell me that? And especially like boyfriends in the past who I've had who have been insanely jealous and insecure, which I'm not going to get into right now. That's going to be a whole other season. But like, you know, who is anyone to judge anybody else's life choices. Like those life choices that I've made or that someone else has made doesn't determine their self-worth, doesn't determine who they are as human beings, right? That's a personal thing. And, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't like to have a lot of sexual encounters, or maybe you're like, believe a believe in like having just one or two partners or like sex, no sex before marriage, which I don't know how many people I've met that believe in that, but you know, that's a thing of the past more so. Anyway, everyone is allowed to live life the way that they want to live. So I really found this quite grounding because it allowed me to kind of eliminate any sort of, yeah, guilt or resentment or shame that I felt towards it in the past and just come to terms with it and be like, it's fine. Like sexual relations and encounters with other humans can be beautiful things. And that is part of life, right? Like sex is what creates life. So who are we to shame people for doing it? Um, so anyway, I don't want to get too off track there. So doing that was really awesome. And before we started the ceremony, yeah, we had to tie the string once we were done and we had to go to the fire and drop it into the fire and set an intention to kind of like be at peace with this and to let this go. And it was really beautiful to do because I felt like I had a lot of relationships that I wasn't at peace with, specifically with some of my ex-boyfriends. And it felt really good to just kind of leave that behind and to leave that as a part of the past and to part with it and to feel really, really content in my heart knowing that, you know, that's okay. That was my life. Those were the lessons I've learned and that I wish that person the best and that's it. So after that, we got ready to sit with the peyote. So the shaman started mixing the peyote cactus, which was ground up, and they kind of made it into a form of a tea with water. So they'd stirred it up and it pretty much looked like a bunch of muck in a coconut bowl. <laughs> it didn't look appetizing at all. And it was like this kind of like gooey, muddy slush, which I was just not looking forward to drinking at all. And we got to ask a lot of questions like, you know, how are we going to feel? What's it going to, how, when is it going to kick in? And it was like, it's going to take about like, you know, 
30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half for different people, similar to mushrooms. And the fact that it's, you know, it might make you feel nauseous. It might cause you to throw up because, you know, you might feel dizzy at the beginning. So that's another reason why you're not supposed to eat anything heavy before because you want it to kind of just go straight in into your digestive and not really, you know, move around with any other kind of food in there. So I was a little bit like, okay, I hope I don't throw up. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, just going to like go with it. And and they said, you know, don't fight it. If you feel sick, just go like go into the jungle. Um, that's part of the process. Everyone's process is different. Um, and yeah, they also told us to, you know, sit with the cup and have an intention, say your intention into the cup before drinking it, which is something we did. And as well, not to be afraid, right, to allow the medicine to just take us where it's going to take us, to be open, to know that, you know, nothing bad is going to happen and that there are helpers around to help us if we need them. And the shamans have created this like safe space. And before we actually drank the cup, we had to also, um, you know, create the safe environment where we kind of chanted, made sounds. We went to the north, to the east, to the south, and to the west to kind of say these chants to make sure that we enclose the safe space around us because we were taking we were taking this medicine in order to connect with the spirit world. So you know, creating this safe circle around us was an intention, was part of the ceremony, was part of, yeah, what needs to happen before we actually take the medicine. So after all of that happened and, you know, we were kind of ready to go, it was probably already like past eight o'clock. It was already pretty late. And at this point I was starving <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm probably not going to be hungry once I have this. And surely I was not. So I was also a bit worried about taking the entire cup because, like I said, I'm not one to really do a lot of psychedelics. And I was just like, how is this going to hit me? How is it going to affect me? Like, what's going to happen? So the couple that was leading the ceremony said, you know, you can take the whole cup, but if you feel more comfortable, you can take just half, see how you feel, and take more afterwards. And as well, they would be administrating um, – Chocoyote, which was like this delicious chocolate cacao, all natural with honey. Um, and then they put the peyote cactus grinds into it as well. So it was like you would be taking more peyote, but like in a chocolate edible form, which sounded beautiful. I was just like, I'd rather just do that than drink the sludge in front of me in this coconut bowl. But anyway, that's what we had to do first. So out of respect, this is the way we had to take the peyote. And I decided that I was like, I'm just going to take half and see how I feel because knowing me, I'm a lightweight, I have a low tolerance and I've done edibles in the past, like marijuana specifically, and I've had really bad trips and I was like, I don't want to have one of those tonight. So let's just start slow and see what happens. And yeah, that's what I did. And as I took the medicine, you know, I drank half. It was absolutely disgusting. It was literally like drinking dirt and I had to like just drink some water afterwards. I was just like, oh, this is gross. Like give me the chocoyote already. <laughs> and yeah, I took it and sat and kind of started meditating and I meditated on my intention. I kept saying my intention over and over again and just kind of focusing on my, on my breath, focusing on my intention 
and, you know, just waiting for the magic of the medicine to kick in. And I started to feel a little bit different, probably like half an hour in. And I noticed that there was like already a girl kind of across the other side of the fire who was already instantly sick. She was throwing up and there was probably like two or three other people that were as well. And I was just like, oh God, here we go. Like, is this going to be me? (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, I was just like, okay, everyone's journey is different. I'm not going to judge or, you know, follow along anyone's journey in particular. And I'm just going to kind of sit with the medicine and allow it to do what it needs to do for me. And after about like an hour, you know, it was kicking in and I was also witnessing the shamans start to play their music, which was absolutely beautiful. I started to feel really blissful. I started to feel really connected with myself and the fire and, you know, the nature outside. It was like being, you know, out in nature, camping, looking at the stars, being in a jungle. It was absolutely peaceful, absolutely beautiful. But I didn't feel this overwhelming sense of, you know, being high or euphoric, like it was slightly coming on. So then I thought, you know what, it's been like half an hour, 45 minutes. I think it had been an hour, actually, I gave myself that extra bit of time. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to drink the rest of the cup. And I had the other half. And then I waited about another half an hour and I felt it definitely start to take on its form a little bit more. And I started to feel a lot more euphoric, a lot more connected. And I was just like really in awe of everything that was happening, right? It was kind of similar to the mushrooms experience, but it wasn't as visual, right? I think mushrooms were like a little bit more intense for me and peyote was a lot more heart opening, more open, more like heart-centered, right? A lot more calm. So that's kind of what started happening and what I started feeling. And yeah, it was a very personal experience in the sense that I was kind of just sitting in my own thoughts with myself. Nobody was talking to anybody, especially when the shamans were playing music. We weren't really allowed to walk around, to speak. We had to be respectful and to watch them and to pay attention to them and to, yeah, just sit with whatever guidance that was coming out for us from the fire, from the music. And it was really, really beautiful. Um, It was such a nice journey. And there were moments in time where I did start to feel a little bit sick and queasy. But I just remembered to like sit with my breath, to focus on my breath. And I've done a lot of breath work before in meditation. So this for me really came as second nature. And I would just breathe and, you know, look at the fire, ground myself and feel a lot better. You know, sometimes I would be like, I need to lie down and I would kind of lie back on my yoga mat, look up to the sky, connect with the stars. And yeah, it was really, really beautiful. So without going much further into what was happening and the messages that I was getting, I want to save all of that for next episode where I'm going to talk more in depth about what was happening within the ceremony, um, the integration that I got afterwards, and yeah, my overall experience with it. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I hope that this was educational for you. I hope that it was interesting, and I hope to see you guys tune into the next episode. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I am so grateful to have you a part of this journey with me. 
If you resonated with this episode, then please share this on your Instagram story and tag me at the Black Sheep Travels so that I can say a massive thank you and show you my appreciation. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. Please share this with your friends or anyone you know that would enjoy this podcast. If you're interested in finding out more about me or how we can work together, then please visit my website, www.theblacksheeptravels.com. You can also subscribe to my email list so that you can stay in the loop for podcast drops, blogs, freebies, info about my coaching packages, my ebook, and upcoming courses and books. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I am so grateful to have you here.